0: Hello and welcome to multifamily investing made simple in under 10 minutes. This is the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate and investing so that you can take action today and on this day of all days, we are going to take the complexity out of how to vet an opportunity in under 10 minutes. So when a deal comes across your table, how are you going to look at that thing? Because the timer is ticking before you have to get your funds in and make a decision whether or not you want to be in this rodeo or not. And so every minute that ticks by is one moment that you might never get back and somebody else might take your place in the deal. And that would be very sad. So without further ado, let's get into it, Dan. How do we vet an opportunity?
1: Let's do it. Uh, So if anyone on here listening to this has looked at an opportunity before and they were newer to it, they'll know that it can be a bit intimidating. There's a lot of information that you've got to try to absorb and uh, understand before you feel comfortable and confident to invest your hard earned capital into an opportunity. Uh, But when it comes down to it, there's really a few key factors uh, that one should be looking for in an opportunity in order to assess how risky it is, And, uh, you know, how much money they're going to make and if it's a good fit for them. So in an effort to make this as simple as possible, we're going to identify just the few key factors that are going to carry the most weight in an opportunity's performance. So starting from the top, I mean, we should probably just get this one out of the way, uh, the operator. Um, Obviously, we're going to be talking more about financial metrics and things you should be looking at. But before you get to any of that, you've got to make sure you're working with a good group of people uh, that are aligned with your investment goals and parameters. So the most important thing you got to do is look at the operator. What have they done before? Um, How long have they been in business? Um, and does their business plan their strategy align with your investment parameters the big one you got to check off the list this is, first. this
0: is the most this is easily the most important one but also if this is your first deal that you're ever looking at investing in then you've probably waited too long if you haven't even vetted the operators at this point in the process you probably mm-hmm. should have done this in the weeks or even months leading up to this deal coming across your plate now if you're a more experienced operator or uh, investor and you've maybe passively invested in a handful of other people's syndications and you're familiar with how it works, then maybe it's okay to see a deal for the first time from an operator and then go through that vetting process with them. But this is is a pretty important one. So don't put this off until the deal is over on your table. That's probably a little bit too late in most cases.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. So Big one. Check out the operator and make sure they are a good fit for you, and they've got a track record and they've done this before. Uh, so once you get past that point, then it's time to look at the actual opportunity that this uh, group has presented you with. And like I said, there's a few, there's a handful of things that are going to be the biggest items that move the needle the most with respect to the risk profile of the deal and what you can expect to get out of it. Um, Anthony, I've, I've got a few queued up here. What do you think is Probably the biggest one people need to be looking at it from from an underwriting perspective, um, or I guess yeah, not even just underwriting. You
0: know, even before I get – I'll let you handle the underwriting stuff. Before we even get to that, I'll point out something that you mentioned already, which is understand your investment goal, your parameters, and understand what the, the operator is – is putting together. What's your business plan? You know, we're value add multifamily guys, and we deliver returns within a certain, mar- um, you know, range. If when you're looking at our deal and you see, oh, actually that's falling below my expectations. Well, that makes it really easy to vet that deal. You're like, nope, that doesn't hit my my return threshold. Or if the business model is maybe a little bit riskier than what you're comfortable taking on. Then you can just weed through that right away and say, this doesn't hit my, my objectives. And so you can save yourself a lot of heartache before you even get into the numbers, just by understanding the story and the business plan that's going to be executed and and understanding how does that fit with my objectives? And then once you're past that, then you look at the returns and that's the next hurdle to get over, which is, okay, if you want a minimum 10% cash on cash return, let's say we're just throwing out a number and this deal's only turning back 9%, well, that's a really easy decision. It just doesn't hit the, the metric, right? So move on. Or if it's close enough, you just go deeper into understanding what were the underwriting assumptions and is it that it's just very, very conservative and and real and uh, more realistic uh, environment that they might actually hit your your threshold. So there's some fa- some variables there to understand. And so to understand how conservative or aggressive the underwriting is, I think we'll turn over to you and and dive into a couple of those metrics now.
1: Absolutely. So one of the big ones that um, moves the needle a lot with respect to the underwriting portion is the cap rate. And it's not the most intuitive uh, thing for people who are new to this industry because a cap rate is something that you really just hear about in the commercial real estate world. Um, But just know that it is a multiplier that is used in the valuation of a multifamily asset. And it's a, it moves the needle quite a bit because when uh, an operator acquires an asset, uh, they're acquiring it at a certain cap rate. And that's going to be somewhere close to the market cap rate for that area, for that asset class. Um, and the way this can really move the needle a lot is the operator's assumptions about what that cap rate is going to do over the hold period. Specifically, uh, if there's going to be a refinance at some point, what are their assumptions about what the cap rate's going to be there? And then at the end of the deal, uh, what's the cap rate projected to be on the exit. And it's tough to, you know, forecast five, seven, 10 years out into the future. Um, but everyone's got to do it to some degree to figure out what their asset's going to sell for at year 5, 7, 10, or whenever they're they're going to sell it. And a little, little move in that cap rate can have a big impact on the valuation of the property. So what is common out there in the uh, uh, underwriting world, the multifamily world, is for that cap rate to incrementally uh, go up over time Uh, which is actually inversely correlated to the value of properties. So a cap rate rising actually means that the market's getting softer and that you're not gonna get paid as much for the same cash flow in the future. That would be a conservative approach to the cap rate assumptions, but it's very often to see, it's very, it's it's not unlikely for you to see operators who have a flat cap rate for the entire hold period, which might very well be in line with reality, or they might actually have their cap rate going down, which is a fairly optimistic uh, view of the next, you know, however many years. So that one moves the needle quite a bit.
0: That one's so big that it bears... Repeating and kind of diving into and unpacking even more. Uh, Charles Dobins, who is the real estate syndication lawyer, says that the cap rate is the, the most powerful force in the universe, <laughs> which I don't know about that, but it is pretty darn powerful. And when you mentioned that it's hard to project into the future five to seven years, I would say it's not just hard, it's impossible. Nobody can accurately forecast what the, what the weather is going to be like tomorrow, much less in five years. And so um, a market that's a very complex environment, nobody knows what it's going to look like. Everybody's crystal ball is equally murky. And so without having clear prescience and understanding of what the future is going to hold, it behooves us to always err on the side of assuming that the future is going to be worse than the present. And if you do that, then when you get to the future and it is in fact worse than the present, then you won't be disappointed. The people that go astray, I think, in their underwriting, they tend to assume, oh, it's what's happened, what's happening now is going to keep happening, growth is going to continue happening, or it's going to be good, and then they find themselves in a five-year window uh, looking at a disposition in an environment where oh, things got worse. Uh-oh, your numbers no longer work. And not only do they not work, but if your cap rate, like you mentioned, is off by just a little bit. It's going to affect the overall valuation of your building by a whole lot. And so I think the standard that we implement is about five BIPs per year getting worse, right? Or increasing by five BIPs, so five basis points every year uh, of the hold. And that just says that every year, the longer that we hold, the higher and higher the cap rate gets.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of uh, illustrate exactly how big of an impact this can have, uh, if we're looking at a property that we bought at a five cap on day one, that had an NOI of $200,000, that cap rate would imply a value of $4 million, right? So if we've got something that produces $200,000 in cash flow, we buy it at a five cap, uh, we're saying that's worth $4 million. If we just change that to a six cap, So if we went from 5% cap rate to 6% cap rate, the value goes from $4 million down to 3,333,000. So just one percentage point change on the cap rate changes into a big uh, change in the value of the property.
0: All right. So we are coming on. up towards the the top of the episodes. We've got to fly through a couple a couple mm-hmm. more things here to look at when vetting an opportunity. Yes. And the really for me it comes down to three levers. And these are the levers that we're making assumptions about. So whenever there's an assumption about what the future is going to hold, it behooves us to always err on the side of caution. So we already talked about the cap rate. That's the really big one. The next one I want to talk about is rent growth assumptions mm-hmm. and expense growth assumptions. Mm-hmm always assume that rent's going to grow less or slower than you assume it is and that expenses are going to grow more than you think they are. Mm-hmm. So whenever you can make an assumption that's less in your favor, you should make that assumption in the underwriting. And so these are important things to look at when you're vetting a deal.
1: Yeah. And, and on the rent growth piece, you always want to make sure that when you're looking at someone else's uh, deal that you're thinking about investing in, uh, are there rent growth assumptions uh in, in are they are they realistic today are are people projecting that they're going to get rents higher than they've ever been in that area that's something that you want to be on a lookout for if you're looking at a deal where they are getting their rent growth because the the property was under market rent and all the growth is just getting it up to par with the rest of the market that's great if you're at if you're looking at an opportunity where they're already in line with market rents and the business plan is predicated on those market rents continuing to go up over time a little bit more risky so uh, another big one that you should be aware of is vacancy. Uh, what is the operator projecting their economic and physical vacancy uh, going to be in this property, and does that align with the rest of that market? And uh, does it align with the performance of that operator on previous assets in the past? Um, you know, it should be pretty straightforward. Uh, that's that's one that should be very clearly spelled out in a deal package, and you just want to make sure that uh, it makes sense to you, basically.
0: Yeah. For me, at every point in vetting a deal, it's not so much about the numbers as it is about the story behind it and hearing it articulated from the operators and saying, you know, vacancy isn't necessarily a bad thing. If the reason that we have vacancies is because we're moving out a bad tenant base and we're repositioning it and that we're doing heavy renovations, we're going to have a lot of units down for a period of time. Vacancy is going to be expected, right? But if you're sitting down with an operator and they're saying, oh, we're going to have you know 0% vacancy. But then you also know that they plan on recycling out all the tenants and doing these heavy renovations. Then you start to have these red flags go off where you're like, well, this story doesn't make sense. Like, How are you going to be able to do both of those things? Something's got to mm-hmm. give. So you know, vacancy isn't necessarily bad. It depends on what the story is behind it. In the same way that rent growth or expense growth, all these things, it's about the story behind it.
1: 100%. percent. One little bonus at the end here that we'll wrap it up, that's the debt terms. You want to make sure that the debt being used on an opportunity that you're looking at is appropriate for the business plan and the economic environment. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's everything that you're going to need to vet a deal in under 10 minutes. I actually think we went a little bit over on this episode, but that's okay because uh, we, this is an important topic. You don't want to rush vetting an opportunity. Don't, Get that fear of missing out and jump into something just because it's there and you don't you don't wanna be the uncool kid who misses the bus to school on the first day. I don't know <laughs> if that's the thing people worry about. <laughs> but we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll catch you next week.